If I were to ask you right now, how many of you are Christians, a good number of you would raise your hands. But I'm not going to do that. But if I follow that question up with how many of you are honest Christians, probably all of you will raise your hands. But if I ask you how many of you honest Christians play numbers, <laughs> I don't think you'll have as many hands. Would you agree with that? All right. We're going to be talking today about uh, gambling, and we're doing this, of course, uh, on the screen you'll see the motivation for this. The new government has promised a referendum on gambling. That's a promise that they're going to be doing. Now, I understand that even if they begin at, at getting everything in place right now, it would not be able to be completed for the next year or so before the referendum actually takes place. But I believe this is a very important issue for believers today. Because I really believe that the success or failure of this referendum is going to depend upon the vote of Christians. I believe if Christians vote yes, it'll pass. If they vote no, it will not pass. I'll go further to say that of all Christians who are playing the numbers now, stop playing the numbers, we probably wouldn't have any numbers problem. See? So this is a very important issue. This is not just a mundane type of thing. This has to do with the heart of your Christianity. Whether you are Christian or you're just simply saying you are a Christian. I'm saying, to, I'm saying to you that as Christians now, we should not only be Bible-believing Christians, but Bible-practicing Christians as well. But I'm going to be talking to you today about this because I think it's a very serious issue for us. And that's the motivation, as you see there, the report given by the Tribune on that particular day. Now... I want us to think a little bit, because normally when you come to gambling, you don't think. Think about that for a moment. Do you realize that if you approach your life the way you approach gambling, if you're involved in it, you'll probably be dead by now? For instance, I've discovered in my research that there's only one chance out of 14 million that you would hit the jackpot in the lottery in Florida. One out of 41 million, all right? Now, I understand there's anywhere between 50 and 100 million dollars that leaves this country every week to play the lottery in the United States. Now, one of the big arguments by those who propose this is, as well, all that money could stay here. That would not happen. You just spend more money to continue to spend that over there because the more opportunities you have to think that you're going to become a millionaire overnight, the more money you're going to spend towards it. We're going to see that as we go along here. But think for a moment of what our government is promising us. Now remember, our government is supposed to protect the citizens, isn't that right? To protect. So one question to ask is, would the legalization or what they call the decriminalization of gambling help or hurt the Bahamian people? Would it protect the, the, uh, the Bahamian people or expose them to more problems? Ask yourself that question. The promise is to decriminalize gambling, isn't that right? Especially numbers. They're looking at both the lottery and numbers, but especially numbers. To de 
criminalize numbers. That is stating that right now, playing the numbers is a criminal act. Is that right? So every time you as a Christian play the numbers, you are being criminal. You are committing a criminal act and you should go to jail. They are proposing to decriminalize it. So that means it's a criminal action right now. And if you are a Christian and you are doing that, you should be asking yourself every time you do that, whether or not you are opposing what Paul calls uh, the ordinance of God. Because government is supposed to give us laws that help the citizens. And they are, uh, they are elected and appointed to apply these laws. Now that means if they are not applying it, then they are not doing the job for which they were elected, right or wrong. So in a very real sense, we could say, logically speaking, that the cause, the reason why numbers, the numbers racket is the problem, is not the people, it's the government. Because the government is not doing what it was appointed to do. So in fact, they are breaking the laws of the land themselves. You understand what I'm saying? So think think this thing through very carefully when you think about this referendum on gambling. Uh, As I mentioned when I began, I believe that this referendum would be defeated if Christians would vote no for it. In fact, I would go so far as to say that the success of this proposed referendum depends upon professing Christians voting yes. If you don't vote yes, I don't think it will pass. So I really believe that we have to examine ourselves as Christians as to what we are going to do in light of this referendum. I stated before, but I want to say it again to get caught up in my notes. I will also go so far as to say that those who profess to be Bible-believing Christians should become Bible-practicing Christians by obeying the law and not gamble in any form or fashion unless you obey God's clear directive to obey the laws of the land. If we do this as Christians, perhaps this Christian action on our part in respect to the numbers racket would cause the numbers racket to collapse and a referendum would not even be necessary. In other words, it probably won't be in for another year before this happens. But right now I believe if all the Christians in the Bahamas stop playing the numbers, the numbers rockets would stop. The referendum might not even be necessary. That's how powerful I believe that your uh, involvement in this is concerned and why it's important for you not only to profess to be a Christian, but to live as though you are. But let's look at the core of my message now. Those are just some remarks I want to put in to get you angry. By the way, uh, I would be saying what I've just said and will say, regardless of whose picture was up there, whether it's Christie or whether it's Ingram or whether it's McCartney or whether it's anyone else, I'd be saying the same thing. Personally, I believe all of the governments who have allowed this to happen should be called to task for failure to apply the law of the land. All right? Now, here's a subtitle I've given to uh, my message. A practical and biblical perspective on gambling. 
Notice I says practical and biblical, because I'm going to give some reasons that really we don't have to go to the Bible to back up or to validate. Because it's important for us to do that. Many people all like to say that it's only this is a religious thing. But I'm going to show you it's a intelligent thing not, not to gamble. Let me put this in now also because I have so much I want to, I might not even get through all of my notes, but let me say this. Gambling is based on taking a chance, isn't that right? It's all by chance. The moment you have anything implemented in a gambling act that can control that gambling, it's no longer a gamble. In other words, pure gambling does not take any ability or skill. Nothing is involved. It's pure chance. Secondly, it's an, it's a real non-intelligent thing to do as far as investing money is concerned. Would you invest your money when you think about it in something that only has one out of 14 million chances to give a return? You wouldn't do that, would you? But yet, that's what gamblers do. And by the way, if you play the numbers, you are a gambler. And if you are a gambler, you are committing an illegal act. I'm going to repeat that over and over again. Because I think you need to realize that as Christians. Alright? Now, I give another title to the message. And that's, gambling is an idol that thrives on greed. Because we're going to demonstrate that that's the motivating force or factor for gambling. It is greed. It's not to show your intelligence, but it's to show your greed. In fact, when you gamble, it goes contrary to showing intelligence. It shows ignorance because of the chance that is involved. And also, we all know, it's a common statement, the house always wins. The odds are always stacked against the player. It's always in favor of the house, as we say. And that's true of lottery. It's also true of numbers. The numbers would not be in existence if the people who run it didn't make any money. And they're making it on poor people. They're making it on you. All right? So it's an idol. The Bible calls greed idolatry. And when you think that you can win so much money overnight for doing nothing, showing ignorance, without any skill, that shows it's based on greed. That's idolatry according to scripture. Another subtitle I've given to the message is, Why the decriminalization of gambling would cause the Bahamas to become a disgrace to God and the world, rather than a nation that exalts God. The Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is reproached to any people. Isn't that right? But we're going to demonstrate that gambling is an unrighteous act. It is sin. Therefore, it is a disgrace before God and before the world as well. But let me uh, give you what some people call a disclaimer. I call it an ex- explanation or an ex- explainer. I just want to say some things. Some of the things we're going to talk about will not be directed toward Christians because we're going to base it on 
I'm sorry, will not be directed toward non-Christians because it's going to be based on the Bible. Unbelievers cannot understand the truth of the scripture. You need the Spirit of God indwelling you to illuminate you. So some of the things you're going to say is to be directed primarily to Christians, hoping and praying that you might receive the Word of God for what it is, the Word of God and not the Word of man. Uh, but we're also going to be talking directly to the unsaved person because we believe that this has to do with some practical, common-sense issues as well. Now, I will not address the issue, though, relative to the legality or illegality or even the constitutionality of the present law that prohibits Bahamians from gambling in the casinos and so on. I will not approach that today because that is so involved with politics and racial connotations. I just don't want to get involved in that. But even that, if you look at it, you'll have to ask why did the original people who were involved in all of this, why did they come up with this prohibition against Bahamians? It's not that because they don't like Bahamians, because Bahamians agreed with it, but it's because they believed that they were protecting the Bahamians. That's why they did it. And if they believed the institution of these things would protect the Bahamians, then they knew it was wrong in the first place. You understand what I'm saying? So you have to look at these things from the proper perspective. And also, I do not overlook the paradoxical real-life situations in which many Christians find themselves. And that is that even though we might oppose gambling, nonetheless, we have to be involved with people who are involved in that area. That's why, don't come up to me afterward and say, well, you shouldn't receive any money from people who want it in the numbers. Number one, we don't ask people where they make the money from, right? Number two, uh, if you see me having lunch or breakfast or dinner down at the Cable Beach where a casino is or in Atlantis, don't say I am a hypocrite. Because if we were to apply the law that we could only do business and deal with people who obey scripture, we, Paul says we'll do, have to do what? We'll have to go out of the world. We live in a fallen world. We must recognize that fact. So there are going to be paradoxical things in our lives, and that's what we must understand. So don't come up with me, to me with all of those foolish arguments that if you go to Atlantis, you go to Cable Beach, you are endorsing them and all of that. That's just nonsense. I call that a straw man argument, okay? All right. Here's some basic questions we want to ask and answer this morning and this evening, because we're going to continue this tonight. First of all, is gambling a moral issue? In other words, can gambling properly be described as right or wrong? Or is it amoral? In other words, moral neutral. Many people believe that. They believe that gambling itself is not a sin. It's nothing inherently wrong with gambling. And it's the reason why you do it and so on that they call a sin. But we're going to demonstrate that gambling itself, the very act, the very thing involved with it, is sinful in nature. Second question we want to talk about is, in a country that has purposely rooted the principles of biblical Christianity within its very constitution, is it morally right for those who govern such a country 
to legalize a traditionally criminal activity and encourage its citizens to participate in it. Is it morally right for the government to do this? That's going to be a question we're going to look at all. Now, these are the basic questions that we will endeavor to deal with. But there's some other important ones. The first one is, what is gambling? Believe it or not, a lot of people who talk about gambling cannot define what gambling is. They call all kinds of things as gambling, as we'll see in a moment. But here is one definition which I think is pretty good. It was taken from a book written by Wayne Oates and Ray Pritchett. It says, gambling is the betting of something of value with the hope of winning the outcome of an uncertain event, whereby the winning are not determined by value, service, goodwill, and I'd even say skill, but only on chance and in such a way that the winnings are gained from the loss of others. You cannot have a winner unless you have a loser. You cannot have gambling unless it's all by chance and that's all. Don't depend on your skill or anybody else's skill. Now, the four major elements in this definition. First, the use of something of value. In other words, whatever you wager, whatever you bet, has to have value to you. Secondly, the risk of loss of that something of value. There has to be a risk involved. Thirdly, the gain of the winner is at the expense of the loser or losers. And finally, there must be a desire to win. In other words, a desire to beat the risk or overcoming the odds of winning. The, res the results, of course, are governed by the ratio of chance or odds. In other words, the greater the chance or the risk, the more you win. There can be no gambling without these elements of risk-taking and a desire to win. The nature of both of these determine the degree and intensity the gambler puts into his, his or her act of gambling. By that I'm saying here, gambling is something like being a Christian. We have tremendously committed Christians, isn't that right? Sometimes they're so committed we call them what? Fanatics. You have gamblers who are addictive. They are enslaved to that. Then you have Christians who are normally committed. They live a normal life, but not really all out for Christ. We have gamblers like that. They don't gamble all day, all night, but they gamble often. Then, of course, we have individuals who only do it as opportunity arises. Some Christians live like that. You only know the Christians if you directly ask them, or sometimes they duck that, but you can't tell. What I'm trying to say, there are different degrees of gambling. It depends on the effort that you put into it, and so on. But the point is, every time you gamble, you are a gambler. And if you are a gambler, you are a criminal according to Bahamian law. Clear and simple. And you are subject to jail. If the government does the job and catches you gambling, you should be put in jail. Simple as that. All right? Now, why do people gamble? Why do people gamble? The answer is very simple. They want to win. That's why they gamble. They want to win. And they want to win a lot quick, right away. Now, even though it is more likely that they would be eaten by a shark than to win a lottery or even contract AIDS, 
people will still gamble in spite of the odds against them. The desire to win, in other words, is greater than the intellectual persuasion. In other words, when you decide to gamble, you do away with logic and intellect. You do away with that. I can tell you right now that the gamble is one of the most foolish, ignorant thing that anybody could do. And I'm not saying that to be mean. That is true when you look at the facts. All right? Most gamblers do not gamble because it is logical or wise, but simply because they want to win. They have agreed to get money quickly. And they want to do that regardless of the odds against them in doing so. The thing with gambling is, however, that the odds are always against the majority of gamblers winning. Or as the gambler would say, as I said before, the deck is stacked against them. That casino has to win a certain amount of money. And their, their machines and everything is geared to be sure that they get that certain amount of money. And that is true with all sorts of gambling that is managed by individuals. Um, gamblers do not choose to gamble because the odds are good. They gamble because the uh, odds are bad because they win more money. Isn't that right? Now the question is why? The New York magazine stated that the chances of winning the lottery in that state in New York was 12 million to 1. In Florida, as I mentioned before, where it is claimed that up to 50 or more million Bahamian dollars are wagered every week, the ratio in Florida is 14 million to 1 that you could win. 14 million to 1. Now, that's why I believe that one of the most forceful, practical, common sense reasons that can be given for a person not to gamble is that gambling is intellectually irrational. Gambling is intellectually irrational. It does, doesn't make sense. In fact, it's the dumbest thing anybody can do. That's why most thinking people do not. Because if they thought, they won't do it. Gambling, and especially throwing of numbers, but lottery as well, does not take any skill or talent. No skill or talent. You don't have to and no matter how you might go and says, well, this number fell this time, this number fell that time, so therefore this one, that's nonsense. It's all chance. There's no skill, there's no intellect, there's no ability that is involved. It's purely by chance. Now, what is chance, by the way? Is chance a person? Is chance a thing? No. Chance is not a person or a thing, but yet you put your money on chance. Is that, does that make sense? It doesn't. Not so no thinking people or person gambles. If you think rationally and logically, you will not gamble. Let me give you some popular reasons. Now this is we get into the practical aspect. Tonight we'll deal more with the Bible aspect. But let me give you some practical reasons, or not reasons, some popular reasons that people give for supporting gambling. First, you've heard this, I'm sure. Life is a gamble. You've heard that? The idea is, since we gamble with our life, it's okay to gamble with our money. That's the idea. But now think about that very carefully. Because I believe that this is a fallacious argument based on a fallacious or false assumption. 
it is simply not true that life is a gamble. Life is not a gamble. Now, life might have some risks, and all gambling has to do with risk-taking, but life is not an unnecessary risk. Gambling is an unnecessary risk. You see, there are risks in life, but life is still not a gamble. Life, in fact, is an investment given to us by God. And there's a vast difference between taking a risk in life and gambling. Not everything risky is a gamble. Yeah, we might describe life as a necessary risk, but as I mentioned, gambling is not a necessary risk. In fact, if a person normally took the risk of a gambler, that the gambler takes when he gambles, we probably would not live very long. As I mentioned, in actuality, life is an investment, is a gift from God, is filled with potential. And any risks that are involved in it are necessary risks for us to experience the investment that God has given us. Risks in life, then, are reasonable, rational, and necessary risk, leading to reasonable and rational returns. This is not true of gambling, however. Gambling always involves an unreasonable risk with hopes for an unreasonable return. Life is not like that at all. In fact, as far as the Christian is concerned, who trusts God for his life, he can say, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There's no chance, there's no luck here. God is in control of our life. So, for a believer then, there's no such thing as chance or luck. We trust God to provide all our needs according to his riches and glory. So, the rationale that is given by some for who support gambling, that life is a gamble, therefore it's okay to gamble our money, this is a false concept. This is a straw man argument. Life is a God-given investment. But then there's another argument that is given to support gambling. It is this. It is only entertainment. You've heard that, right? It's only entertainment. In other words, it's a fun thing to do. Now think about this very carefully. Think about the logical conclusion of this. What they're saying is that whatever is fun or entertaining is right. It's only entertainment. Therefore, if it's entertainment, it's okay. But this is a fallacy also. We have a lot of people who have fun hurting people. We have hoodlums who would break into people's homes and destroy them. We have young people who would beat up on other people. In fact, we have cases where individuals are being murdered just because it gave excitement and entertainment to individuals who did it. Now, does that mean that that is okay then because it gave them fun? Of course not. So this is another false straw man argument to say it's only entertainment. In fact, the Bible says that some commit sport to do violence. Violence has become a sport for them. That seems to be true in the Bahamas right now when it comes to violence. But that doesn't make it right. It's still wrong. And besides, if gambling is fun, 
then it's fun to rob the poor. Because as we'll show later on this evening, if not in the message now, that's what legalized gambling does. It robs from the poor. If gambling is fun, this is kind of fun we don't need. It's a fun that misguides the youth because that's what gambling does. If gambling is fun, then it is fun to contaminate the church and corrupt a society because that's what gambling does. Solomon says this in Proverbs 21, he who loves pleasure will become poor. That's Solomon in Proverbs 21 verse 17. Now this is certainly true for most gamblers if that pleasure, if they pleasure, find pleasure in gambling. So I say again, if gambling is fun, it's a kind of fun we can and should do without. And certainly it's not the kind of fun that a government which is established for the welfare of the people should legalize and encourage its people to take part in. Now here's another one that has become quite popular here in Nassau. The church does it. You've heard that one? The church does it. All right? Now this has become quite a weapon against the Council of Churches especially. They always like to say, well, the church does it. The argument goes something like this. If the church sponsors and endorses gambling through bingos and raffles, why shouldn't government and the general public do it also? But once more, a basic error or fallacy is involved here. This is a straw, it's a straw man assumption to believe that everything every church does is right. Just because the church does it, that's just not true. It's wrong to think that everything a church does is right. Do you agree or disagree? For instance, take Jim Jones. You remember him, right? He believed murdering and committing suicide was something good to do. That's what he led his people to do. Should government do that? Encourage murder and suicide? Because that part of the church did it? No. The church was wrong in doing it. And so my response to all of this is that um, neither the government or the church should be involved in gambling. If the church is in fact doing it, it should stop. If the government isn't doing it, it shouldn't start. You understand? So this is another fallacious argument as far as I'm concerned. They say that it's okay to do it because the church does it. Dr. Norman Geisler wrote a book on gambling. He called A Bad Bet. This is what he says, and I quote him. Those who trust God don't gamble. And those who gamble do not trust God to provide for them. So as stark as it may seem, we must choose between God and gambling. That's quite a statement, isn't it? But I agree with it. And no matter how much you come here and say, oh yeah, I trust God, I trust God, but you use all your money on numbers, you do not. You do not. All right? Dr. Geisler makes another comment that I agree with. This is what he says. Of all institutions on earth, the church should be giving to the poor, not taking from them. Benevolence, not bingo, is the church's duty to the needy. Good statement again. Here's another reason many people give for supporting gambling. People are going to do it anyway. You've heard that? Again, think that through. What is, a, what are being, what is being assumed here? Again, this is a faulty assumption. It says something like this. If people are going to do it anyway, 
then legalize it. And when you legalize it, you make it good. You make it all right. Now suppose you were to apply that to everything. You wouldn't need trails or anything else, you know. We do, I mean, people are going to take drugs, isn't that right? People are going to go into prostitution, isn't that right? And we could go on and on and all of the sins and ills. And if you apply this, it'll just be a silly thing to do. But yet, seemingly intelligent people will say this in the coming weeks, coming months. People are going to do it anyway. So we should go ahead and legalize it to make it easier for them to do. They have the idea that legalizing it will make it all right. And by the way, let me say this. Many Christians who don't gamble now because they believe it's wrong, if they legalize it or they decriminalize it, they will gamble because they think it's right. Because they will do it without thinking again. And by the way, it's not true that people will gamble naturally or normally. That's just not true. It has been demonstrated by many studies that most people would not normally gamble. They only do so if it's convenient, if it's, if it's legal, or it's vigorously promoted. Do you know that one of the greatest expense uh, in the United States for those who allow lottery and so on, the greatest expense is PR. They spend more people trying to lure people to gamble than on anything else, even administration. It's an amazing thing. And so that defeats the idea that people are going to gamble anyway. They will only gamble, not only, but most of them will gamble if they are enticed to do it, they are lured into doing it. All right? And so I believe that the decriminalization of gambling in Nassau will actually encourage non-gamblers to gamble and will provide both an incentive and temptation for our young Bahamians to be contaminated and even addicted to this vice, vice of gambling. Let me give you another quote from Dr. Geisler when he concluded from his American youth study on gambling. This is what he says. A time bomb of young gamblers is now ready to explode in America. 90% of problem gamblers are now young people. I could predict to you, and I'm not a prophet, but I believe you predict the same thing. If gambling numbers is legalized here, we are going to have an increase in gamblers, especially young people. Now, Gamblers Anonymous says that today, young people com comprise 20% of those being treated in their facility. 20% of young people. We believe the same thing will follow here. Amazing, they found out that also true of women. Here's what they said with this study. Women gamblers now make up one out of every four persons being treated by Gamblers Anonymous. And it is estimated that more women will be involved in it as well. And I'm not sure that this applies too much to the Bahamas, because personally I believe more women are involved in gambling now than men right now. So I believe it can be stated without fear of successful contradiction or being proven wrong. If gambling is legalized in the Bahamas, the Bahamas will rapidly increase in the number of Bahamian gamblings. And if what is now happening in the USA, since gambling has been legalized in most states, some 10% of those who gamble regularly will become problem or addictive gamblers. That is a proven thing. Here's another 
reason people give for supporting gambling. Gambling is a voluntary activity. No one is forced to gamble against their will. You hear that one? Again, look at the assumption here. Everything that is voluntary or done without force is okay. That's the, that's the, assum- that's the assumption that is made. But again, this simply is not true. But there is one voluntary act which is unquestionably good. It is right and it is moral. And it is one act that is expected of Christians by God. And that is to choose to do his will. Listen to what John says in 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, or lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has, what he does, is uh, not of God, but of world. I've lost my, my, my place here. The idea is this. God wants us to choose what is right and to do it voluntarily. When we choose to do his will and to trust him for our resources, we please and we honor him. But when we choose to do things, even voluntarily, that are contrary to his will or show that we're not trusting him, the Bible calls it sin. And that we are not doing the will of God and therefore, it says, he will not last forever, as according to that passage of scripture. So, this whole idea that... Um, it's okay if it's done voluntarily and nobody's forced to do it. Again, that is a straw man argument. It doesn't hold water when you think about it very carefully. Gambling is okay because it's for good cause. You heard that one? It's for good cause. Now, this is simply saying what? The end justifies the means. This is another fallacious argument. Just because it's a good cause doesn't mean it's a good thing to do. As someone has said, and I think I have this on it, using an immoral means to aid a moral cause is an immoral action. Peterson, in his book called, or entitled, What You Should Know About Gambling, quotes the Los Angeles Times as stating that a government-sponsored lottery for the cause of education in that city is immoral. Here's what he says, and I quote him. State-sponsored lottery is immoral because it would make education and other pressing needs of the state depending on the weakness rather than the strengths of its people. That's a tremendous statement. I agree with this completely. Legalized gambling is a classic way in which a nation can bring disgrace rather than re- and reproach upon itself by encouraging its citizens to support a good cause with immoral means. This is something that Christians have to think about, and that's why I want to, I'm spending time on that today. We need to think about these things. Don't just think about the immediate, oh boy, if I play this, I can win $200 right now, and therefore I can get my grocery or pay my rent. That's just an immediate gratification from a sinful means. We need to think these things through. And I say again, I believe if we do as Christians, we could turn this place around when it comes to gambling. Because I believe that encouraging our people to do an immoral thing in order to achieve a moral purpose in their thinking both degrades and demoralizes the character of well-meaning 
socially concerned patriotic citizens. Rather than meeting such needs through proper information, right incentives, and just plain old-fashioned work, sweat and tears, government-sponsored gambling seeks to do so by appealing to the baser instincts of the citizens. And so I say it would be a tragedy if gambling is legalized in the Bahamas. Our political leaders then need to heed the words of Solomon. This is what he says in Proverbs 16.12. Kings, in context, righteous kings or prime ministers, detest wrongdoing. For a government is established through righteousness. Notice that a government is established on righteousness. That's true whether it's a PLP government, whether it's an FN government, whether it's what is the other one? DN government, whatever kind of government it is, it's established on righteousness, not immorality. And then Proverbs 14 says, He oppresses the poor, and by the way, legalized gambling does that, shows contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. How? By not oppressing the poor, especially through gambling. Now, one of the responses by those who favor legalized lottery or numbers to people like myself who oppose it, insists that because we oppose it, then we must therefore come up with a solution as to how to find the funds to meet the causes that they're trying to promote. Now, that's really, that's really a way of trying to manipulate and to intimidate individuals. Just because you oppose something, therefore, you must provide the solution for it. Now, I believe, of course, you should try to do that, but to say that by doing that or by failing to do that, we automatically then endorse the wrong action. That's just a fallacious argument as well. Just because we might not say, okay, here's how you can find $100 million to go into the treasury, that doesn't make legalizing gambling the right thing to do. That's the point. Now, we want, that's some of the practical or logical uh, things that we must consider when talking about gambling. I want to go to the scriptures now, but we want to pick this up more tonight. But just let me say this. To the dismay of many Christians, the Bible nowhere says specifically, thou shalt not gamble. And boy, a lot of Christians like that. They say, unless you can show me from the Bible, thou shalt not gamble, then I'm going to gamble. Well, if you believe that, you would not believe in the Trinity. Because the Bible nowhere says that God is a triune, triune person. So how do we come up with that? We take all of Scripture, right? And we systematically put it together. Certain characteristics are stated about the Holy Spirit. That is only true of God. Certain characteristics are stated of Jesus Christ. That are only true of God. Characteristics of God the Father. That is only true of a true God. We put it all together, we find that there are three persons who have the same essence or nature, but they're not three gods. That's how we come up with it. The same thing is true of the Bible. When you put all of the teaching concerning uh, the character of a person and what greed is, what covetousness is, what stealing is, you have to come up with the conclusion that gambling is a sin because the whole Bible says so, although it doesn't state it in one verse specifically. And we're going to look at that tonight. Now, I encourage you to come out tonight, because we're going to want to hear from you, want questions, comments on this. 
So we're going to finish up with the biblical perspective on gambling and then open it to you for questions and comments. So let's close in a word of prayer right now. Okay? Father, help us to be wise as Christians. Help us to be true as Christians, not to be hypocrites, not to say we believe something, but we live differently. Help us, we pray, to demonstrate Christ-likeness in all that we do. We pray that you might give us wisdom as we approach this very important issue here in the Bahamas that could really determine the fabric, the moral character of this nation. Help us to stand for truth. And Jesus Christ himself said that the reason for him coming into the world was, in fact, to uphold the truth. Help us to be true in our living as believers. And all of God's people said, Amen.